Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Father, we honour you today, this Father's Day. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you that we get to call you Father. We give you praise and honour for who you are, for all that you've done. We thank you for sending your Son. And Father, we thank you that you love us. Every single person on this planet, you love extraordinarily. Father, you love the world so much that you gave your only son. So, Father, we open up our hearts today and we ask that our Father would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads. We've had a great service so far and now it's going to be all downhill. No, no, from now it's going to be great. We're going to interview have a conversation, actually, with two great dads in our church, Craig Davo and Mark Zare. It's going to be a bit conversationally. So um, sit back, enjoy, open your hearts. But before we start, I'm going to throw it to Mark, because Mark and Roz had something significant happen this week. Thanks, Roz. Hi, Craig. Um, this time, last Sunday, Dan and Lizzie became parents, which Woo-hoo. means Roz and I became grandparents. Woohoo! Um, So it'll be Dan's first Father's Day, which is awesome. Ros also wanted us to have a joke. So my joke is uh, a father's son comes home from school. He's due to have his report card and he hasn't got it. His father says, where's your report card? He said, my friend's got it. He says, why's your friend got it? He says, because he wanted to scare his parents. So when he reads his own report out, it won't look so bad. Over to you, Ros. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, we did have a um, little granddaughter. Her name is Lola. La, 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 la. I've always wanted to a, sing that song. The photo should come up on the screen. It may have already come up. Yeah. There you go. So um, that's it. We've joined the Grand Parent Club. And Craig, I think you've got a, um, an excellent joke for us too um, today. Is that right? What do you call a dog that does magic tricks? A labracadabrador. I've got to tell you, these dads and their jokes... <laughs> when does a joke turn into a dad joke? When it becomes apparent. <laughs> ah, there you oh, go. Oh, that is oh, a really sorry. good one. Sorry. You can use any of these jokes. Feel free to use any of these jokes. All right. Um, welcome to the panel. Uh, gonna, we're going to have a good time listening to both of you. Tell us, share with us a memory, one of your favourite memories growing up. Craig, we might start with you. Um, So some of you might know I'm not an athlete in any stretch of the imagination and I certainly wasn't athletic as a kid. But one year, uh, just through to the grace of God, when I was 12 years old, I placed second in the Calvin Christian School Cross Country Carnival. Uh, And I was celebrated and it really did uh, something good for me because it wasn't an area of expertise, but I was being acknowledged in that. And and it was was a positive because I, I, I was qualified for the regionals. So we ended up going down to the Huon Valley in southern Tasmania for uh, the cross-country regionals. And I started off in the, the boys' race, the, the juniors' race, um, but I got lost uh, along the course in the as middle of the Huon Valley. As you do. As I do. It's quite a spiritual analogy. Um, uh, so I got off track. I didn't know where I was, but eventually I found the markers. I got back on the track and uh, finished the race. And as I got to the finish line, a lady came up to me with a big smile on her face and said, congratulations, you've come third. And I thought... You beauty, this is fantastic. Maybe I've found my athletic calling in life. And she followed that up by saying, hold on, you're a boy. I'd come third in the girls' race that had started after mine. Uh, And so for probably the next 12 months, 
um, I was called the third girl at school, which did wonders for my self-esteem. It's still a third, mate. Still I'm third. I took, take it. <laughs> they didn't give me a ribbon, but I deserved it. You can pray for Craig. If you're in the chat right Please now, do. pray for Craig. Um, that's a very vulnerable memory. Mm, one that I'll carry with yeah, me for yeah. the rest of my athletic days. Mark. Uh, one of my favourite memories is going away in the wooden caravan that my dad built. It's a long time ago. <laughs> and it was such a small van that my sister and I had to share a bed at the back and she would sleep with her head one end and me with my head the other side. And her feet, I had to cuddle up to her feet to be able to get to sleep at night. Um, so that's one of not cuddling her feet but going away in the caravan. In the caravan, yeah. Put your favourite memory in the chat growing yeah. up. Um, all right. The deep, a deep question, ready for a mm. bit of depth. Mm. Most people have a father wound, a wound given them by their imperfect dad that they have to heal from. Can you share what the father's wound in your life was? Might start with you, Mark. Um, I hope this answers your question the right way. One of my vivid memories was when I switched off from my dad. So my dad did a lot of things right. The older I get, the more I realised that he did a lot of right stuff and I'm starting to value it more. When I was about 11, there'd been a promise for a couple of years that it would take me hunting. I now don't like hunting or killing animals. But anyway, that's... He promised me, and I was really pumped about it and it went on for years and it never happened, never happened. And we were driving on a holiday up the coast with a wooden caravan on the back and I kept hassling him out, going, when are we going, honey? When? And he just said, shut up, and he pulled the van over we climbed over the fence on the Pacific Highway, walked about 200 metres into the bush, fired a few shots from the rifle into a tree, got back in the car and that was it. But I remember thinking, and this was a wrong conclusion by the way, that he couldn't be trusted and I switched off emotionally from him. Um, we loved each other and we got on okay but I never felt close until I was looking after him um, in his dying days about 40 years later. So, it, you know, from my harsh judgment and disappointment, it was a long way back. Um, so I think that maybe represents the type of wound. Share a little bit about the forgiveness journey, because it's so important to forgive your parents. Um, um, well, I felt as soon as I became a Christian, I felt like I started working that journey, but I'd forgive in attitude every couple of years got to take me a bit deeper. So it was when I had to look after him and care for him that we actually got close emotionally and were able to express affection to each other. Mm. Mm. But that was a long time later, yeah. Mm. Craig, what about you? Um, my, my father wound is uh, emotional vacancy. Mm. Um, I want to start off by honouring my dad. There's been repair in our relationship and we are in communication now very regularly and it's been a beautiful restoration. But some of you know my story. Uh, Mum and Dad split uh, when I was 18 months old. Um, so I grew up essentially without a dad. And that um, emotional vacancy, that lack of having a father there led to low self-esteem, low, low confidence. Um, and growing up, through the grace of God and my mother's hard work, uh, she enrolled me on a scholarship through a, a private school, a prestigious private school in Hobart. Um, and I was quite literally the only child from a broken home in my grade. Yeah. So yeah. there were lots of kids with well-adjusted families, uh, relatively well-off, yeah. um, and then there was me. I only had mum, and we weren't really well-off. So I grew up 
um, identifying as different, um, mm. uh, identifying as uh, oh, yeah. fatherless. So Father's Day, we'd make a poster for Dad. Uh, Father's Day, we'd, we'd, you know, you'd make something or you'd buy something from the little table that they had. I had no one to do that for, so I just did it for Mum. Yeah. So I grew up um, mm. uh, quite, it was quite strange being different and there was an anxiety to that and that anxiety turned to uh, a real lowliness um, in my teenage years, you know, clinical depression, uh, care of a psychiatrist, I was on antidepressants at 14, um, suicide attempts later on, all that, all that sort of jazz. And I'm, and I'm not saying that it's all attributed to my dad, but it contributed. It contributed to my identity. Yeah. And that father wound, that emotional vacancy has led to some responses now in, in my life that I even observe now, like having two rigid boundaries. I'm trying to protect myself okay. by not getting too close to people, yeah. Um, yeah. not letting people in. Um, and even, even um, Carly has, we, we've talked about me being engaged and emotionally present and being there not only for her but also for Parker. Yeah. So it's a journey, it's a learning. And there's a couple of things that have helped with yeah, the good. father wound. It's still present and I think I'll take it with me to my grave but there's some things that have helped. Um, learning about myself. Okay. So even things practically like doing a personality test. Um, I figured out that I am uh, introverted, intuitive. Um, I like things planned. I'm not spontaneous. I tend to lead with my feelings and than judgment. So I know a few things about myself now in terms of how I respond, um, how mm. I react in situations, mm. what my emotional needs are in any given circumstance, so I can prepare and protect and communicate what I need so that I can maintain health um, mm. throughout. Mm. Um, uh, sometimes I'm too independent. I'm too stoic. I can be hard to read. Mm. And so um, I've given my friends, my family permission to pull me up. Craig, yeah. you're being disengaged. Craig, yeah. you need to get emotionally involved. And they do. And I honour them and I love them for that. Mm. Yeah. Um, the other things that helped uh, with that emotional vacancy was father figures. Yeah. Wow. Um, I have been blessed with a number of good men in my life over the years. I'm sitting next to one here in Pastor Mark who has modelled how to be a husband and how to be a father and I'm going to start watching how to be a grandfather through this man. No pressure. Um, no pressure. <laughs> I'm pretty inexperienced. <laughs> um, Mum made sure when I was really young that I was uh, in connection with a guy called Doug Cameron in the oh, yeah, Uniting yeah. Church in, mm. in Hobart. Yeah, yeah. Not only just to have some bloke company to kick a ball around when I was a kid, but yeah. also to start learning about God from the masculine. Wow. Um, mm. I've had Shane Baxter, I've had um, very significant... Ian Wood, mm. very significant father voices in, in my life. Um, and the last thing that has helped me overcome my father word is becoming a parent. Uh, so now I have, with Parker, I have a determination to give him what I never got. Uh, so it's provided focus. It's provided a wake-up call. Mm. Um, my own father wounds, I can't inflict them on him. Mm. So I'm now conscious, more conscious of that emotional vacancy, that absenteeism, not getting too invested in things that draw me away from my son. Uh, and they've helped. They've really mm. helped me uh, conquer the father wounds that will be with me, but I've got some strategies now mm. to help. Well done. That's really interesting. Let me ask you a question, because mm. some people who have that, such a tough background get bitter and God can't use it for good. But I think some of the tough things we go through, they, like they say our wounds actually often become our weapons. Do you know mm. what I mean? Things that mm. we bring to the world, strengths that we bring to the world. Mm. Would you, can you sit there and say, it's helped shape me and make me yes. who I am? Absolutely. That 
combined with God and the revelation that he's given me through his spirit has made me determined to um, cut that stuff off because it's, it's quite throughout the generations, throughout my lineage, um, fatherlessness, oh. uh, abusive, aggressive yeah. um, uh, masculinity has been quite strong. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the acknowledgement of that wound has made me think it ends here. It yeah, ends here. Good. It doesn't mm. continue. Yeah, well, I absorb it. And this is where it finishes. Yeah. So you're a history maker, really, or changer in your family. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Look, I'm failing constantly, mm. but if I can start something new yeah, for good. the generations to come, I'll, yeah. I'll mm. give it me all. Fantastic. Mm. Mm. Love that. Um, there's a scripture I love in Hebrews 12. Not everybody loves it. I love it. It talks about God disciplines those whom he loves. This, I'm throwing this question in, everyone. Uh, Thoughts on God being a father and disciplining us. Sometimes it doesn't seem to connect the dots, but I think, I think if, well, that's what the scripture says. Um, God disciplines us because he loves us. Just a couple of thoughts on that in, in your own fathering and your discipline that's come from God to you. Go. <laughs> I, think no discipline, <laughs> I think discipline is an investment. Um, and it's one that I need to do to make sure that my son has the best chance at a fulfilling and whole life. Um, uh, I don't like it, but I have to do it for him. I honour Parker by disciplining yeah, him. Very good. I don't discipline, I try not to discipline out of anger. I try not to discipline out of pride. Excellent. Um, wow. uh, I try and make sure that it's a shaping. Am I good at it? No. Um, but I'm trying. Uh, Pastor Phil Pringle said this, I would rather hear the voice of God disciplining me than not hear his voice at all. So sometimes it is actually love and connection to shape Parker through discipline. He knows that I love him. He knows that I care. And so it's not, when there is discipline, it's a lot easier because I've spent time investing love into him. So when I invest discipline into him, he gets it, he understands it. Again, he doesn't love it, I don't love it, but it's necessary. Mm. It's part of building a man. Uh, and that's the responsibility God's put on my shoulders. Mm. Yeah. No? Uh, I think the place I learned most about discipline was playing sport, rugby union and soccer. And coaches would teach you things, for instance, how to tackle properly so you wouldn't get hurt. And the discipline of training and then you'd produce on the field. It was very satisfying. So I, I have always liked the concept of discipline helps you be, be better at stuff. A controversial scripture, but nevertheless, there's a meaning behind it we can still grab. It says, he who spares the rod hates his son. So let's not worry about the rod. But in other words, if you don't discipline them, it's like hatred. And one of the reasons for that is, I've heard Ros say a number of times, sharing at state level, if you don't discipline your child, the world will, and they'll be a lot harsher than you would have been. Mm. Um, so I, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, because, of, because we have imperfect dads, find it hard to trust God. Mm. Uh, any thoughts on that? How did both of you with imperfect dads learn to trust God as a father, trust his character? Well, I, I had a look at the question and I couldn't, think of, I don't think my dad, I didn't seem to pick that up, don't okay, trust good. God in the areas your yeah. dad's not trustworthy, because my dad was pretty trustworthy, yeah. faithful to mum, worked hard, so 
I don't think I had an issue with that. Like, obviously, I always need to learn to trust God more, but I, I can't mm. really answer that very well. No, no, and mm. I, mm. I've been married to you for <laughs> lots of years, and Mark never has any. Mark's never disappointed with God, mm. and so, so many other people get disappointed. But you've done an mm. amazing journey there somehow. What about you, Craig? Um, dads provide a window into how we should experience the heart of God. Mm. So whilst they aren't God, they should, like yeah. your biological father, in some way represents God to you. Yeah. Um, I read an article in the Washington Times called Father's Faith. And here's a quote from it. Sociologists say that it's common for people to perceive that God is like the fatherly figures in their lives. If dad's caring, patient and concerned, then children believe God has those same characteristics. And the opposite holds true when a father is harsh, judgmental or absent. And even though kids know intellectually God is fair, loving, kind and patient, it's hard to relate to God at a gut level way if their own father isn't like that. Mm. And that was my experience. Yeah. Um, I grew up spending virtually no time with dad. And when I did, it was usually based around conflict with mum. You know, Christmas, family gatherings... Um, there'd be conflict, there'd be argument, there'd be tension. Uh, and, and I would start to um, equate God's silence with God's absence because I wasn't hearing God, therefore he's not there because that was my experience with, with my dad. Um, God really spoke to me as a kid. Well, from my perception, God really answered my prayers um, when I was a kid. So now... I trust God, but sometimes I struggle to persist in prayer. I struggle yeah. to travail, like the, um, yeah. uh, the, the parable of the woman who's knocking on the door of mm. the judge yeah. begging for bread. I'd knock once, and if I didn't get an answer, oh well. Give up. Give up mm. and, and, and give up easily. And, and I would struggle to believe that God wanted to know me and be known by me mm. as, a, as a result. So that was pretty hard. Um, but it's based on a lie it's based on a lie thinking that God is like my dad because he's not yeah. Yeah. and it's a lie that I need to protect Parker from because God is not like me there are elements where I try and reflect him and reflect his character and, and I hope to do a good job in some areas I'll fail dismally in, in others but every earthly dad is flawed every earthly dad is in need of grace even the good ones even the great ones are imperfect and they are not God so for me, I've had to learn that silence isn't rejection. That God continually communicates deep down here. His communication is endless. He is in a continuous discourse with me, whether I acknowledge it, hear it or not. It's something deeper. It's something down here. And so for me, I need to silence the noise, the violence, the tension around me and focus in on him. Mm. Um, and try and be more determined and deliberate in how I communicate to my son as a result and can be I, present. Can I just add something to that? Because yeah, I think yeah. that's a huge point, everyone, to hear. Yeah. We aren't God. As dads, we do fall short. And therefore, how do we negotiate that? That's a real deal with our kids. So developing the ability to be gentle and to apologise when you're wrong, to reassure your kids, um, that's such an important skill for a father it's very damaging when a dad can never admit he's wrong. I just that really takes away from your kid and how they've how their confidence walking on the earth. Um, if you know when you're wrong, your children will become more secure, not less secure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I just think that's a really important point to just 
think about what we perhaps lacked with our own dads and make sure we don't transfer that onto God. Um, yeah, people stay blocked off for years with knowing God as a father, being able to know him as a father because of their own, uh, own relationships with their dad on the earth. So Mark, I'm going to get Mark to share a couple of big dad moments in the Bible and then we'll get Craig to share a few more things. Thanks, Mark. Good. Um, when Roz gave me this question, it was just like instantly four things stood out. I didn't kind of have to think hard. They just sort of presented themselves to me and I'm not going to preach on them. I'll just tell you what they are. But one of them is the need to belong. Another one's the beauty of affection. The third one is overcoming hassles. And the fourth one is letting go of your kids. So the first one, the need to belong, it's just a standout moment in Scripture. I think it's in John 6 where Jesus did a difficult teaching and a lot of his disciples left him. And he turned to the 12 and said, do you want to leave too? And Peter says these words, and they probably should have it in capital letters in the Bible so it stands out even more. He goes, Lord, to whom else can yeah. we go? And I just think that's a big thing. If you've got a loving dad and he makes a mistake, you don't want to run away. Sometimes kids are tempted to run away and all that, but really you want to be back with your family. To who, What other family would you want to go to? To who else do you belong? And also Jesus as a father figure there is, is huge, but it just says it in one statement, Lord, to whom else can we go? The second one is just the beauty of affection. It's at the resurrection where... The tomb's empty and Mary Magdalene comes back looking for Jesus. She's frantic and uh, Jesus appears to her but she doesn't recognise him. She supposes he's the gardener and he says, woman, why are you crying? And she says, they've taken my Lord and I don't know where I can find him. And there's this magic moment where he actually interrupts her and just says her name with affection, Mary. And she says this title to him with affection, Rabboni, and she falls at his feet and, and grabs on. I don't know if it's his feet or his legs or his robe, but she grabs on. He said, you've got to let me go. You can't cling on because I'm going back to my father. It's this incredible moment of affection. And it's like John having his head on Jesus' breast. That's the other great moment of affection. So in all of our lives, you want to ask God to grant you some of those moments where you just have that deep love with him. Yeah. Um, I just think there's some beautiful things in Scripture like that. The third one is Thomas. It's a great lesson for us all because one minute he's going, unless I can put my finger in the wounds in his side and in his hands and his feet, I will not believe. And a little while later, he's bowing his knee and going, my Lord and oh my God, and submitting, and he's not backslidden anymore, and he's restored. And it's a great lesson for all of us in overcoming our hassles with our dad or with God, because you will have moments of, of hassle and not getting on. And I, some of the deep stuff Craig shared tonight, um, there's just a lot in that. And it's taken a lot of humility in him and from his dad just, just to be reunited and, and relating well. So, you know, we've got to overcome our hassles. That's a good lesson. And one of the biggest dad moments in the whole of the Bible, the last one here, um, is Abraham and Isaac, where... He's waited for so long for a son. The promise is fulfilled and God asked him to sacrifice his son and he's willing, but then God says, no, you don't have to, but I wanted to know your heart. But I just thought one angle on that is as dads, we have to let go 
of our kids at times, you, there's a time like when they get married or when they're adults, you no longer have the authority over their life. I reckon the whole COVID vax question would be a big test on parents with their kids because they'd want their kids to believe the same as them, but it's not your call. They're adults and they have to make up their own mind. You get to speak in if they ask you. Don't bombard them and automatically assume they have to believe everything that the same as you. They do have to do their own journey. So it doesn't matter what side of the thing you fall on. There's times where, where there's a test on us also, like Abraham, and can we let go when we're supposed to? Um, over to you, Ros. Thanks, Mark. Craig, you've got two questions there. Do you want to pick one of them? Um, the fatherless generation. Great. Good. Um, it's easier to become a father than to be one. Um, yeah, it's quite sobering when you become a father, the, the weight of it on your shoulders. Um, Pastor Chris Lawton in America, he says this, this is the most fatherless generation in Western history in which our men and our fathers weren't sent off to die in war. Wow. Um, I've got some stats and I'll go through them. I don't want to mention these to condemn or to confront. I just want to paint the reality of what's happening out there. Uh, this is from a book called Man Disconnected and another one called The Demise of Guys by two American psychologists, quite prominent, Philip Zimbardo and Nikita Duncan Collum. Very intelligent having those I books. try and put on a I'm thin impressed. veil of intelligence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> I'll pull it off. Um, over 40% of boys now live in fatherless homes due to divorce, separation, not knowing who their father even is, and also a new generation where dads are working beyond full-time employment. Like they're away a lot, they're travelling a lot, they're so invested in their work, they're not even emotionally at home. 70% of youths in juvenile institutions are from fatherless homes. 90% of homeless children grew up without a father. 85% of children diagnosed with behavioural disorders come from fatherless homes, and 71% of young people withdrawing from high school before completion come from a home without a father. That's pretty sobering. And a boy can, and a daughter can miss out on learning things that only a man can teach, only a father can impart. That was, that was my story. I was sent out into the world very poorly equipped on how to be a man, even more poorly equipped on how to be a dad. Um, how to deal with the issues that men encounter. How am I going to build things? How am I going to provide for my family? How do I find fulfilling work? How do I view and treat women? What do I look for in a wife? How do I become a dependable husband? How do I become a faithful dad? I had, I had none of that. None of that has been modelled. And from the stats, 40% of the blokes out there are likewise. There's a lot of us running around with no clue. Um, Men sometimes lack confidence in their ability to lead and provide because it's never been modelled for them. And some guys deal with this by uh, working too much, eating too much, drinking too much, smoking too much, um, retreating into technology too much, um, going into the two-dimensional world of the, the internet, social media, all of the stuff there, pornography, all of the things that is uh, just there to the expense of everything else in their life. A, a lot of guys, I was watching uh, Sunrise this week, there was a story there about how most men only have two real friends. 
and a lot of them aren't even living near them. So it's, it's virtual connection. It, they don't have real mates to count on for help and comfort in a time of need. And a lot of it stems from being fatherless, from not having positive masculinity modelled. And I've got to be really careful and mindful that I'm not passing on the wrong messages to my son about what it is to be a man. Um, so I'm monitoring him. How does he respond when he's angry? How does he respond with technology? Um, I'm trying to do things that are more blokey with him. Like we, we have a fire pit in the backyard and now that we're in lockdown, we're doing that every second day. Um, walking with him every day. Uh, this note may not be entirely manly, but baking a key lime pie with him. Um, uh, it was, we, we, we baked it, when we were making it, it was yellow and Parker's like, no, it needs to be green because limes are green. So we put blue food colouring in, but we put too much. So we had a blue key lime pie and nobody wanted to eat it. Um, <laughs> kicking a ball in it, just things like that. I'm also trying to make sure that Parker gets more uh, perspectives of masculinity than just from me, exposing him to other dads, other blokes. We all need father figures. You could be 12, you could be 30, you could be 75. You need good fathering, good masculinity modelled to you. Yeah. And, and I hope that I can be that for other people. And I hope that as a church, we're an environment that models healthy masculinity to the next generation. Well said. Well, we're going to wrap up. Is there anything else you want to say, Mark? Encourage the dads out there? Um, do you want me to tell a quick Joel Osteen story? Yeah, yep. it's beautiful. Um, my daughter Ellie sent me a video of Joel Osteen's son, Jonathan, preaching for the first time in his church. And he told this story that when he was 14, he had, you know, a Game Boy thing. And mum, Victoria, who's quite strict with the kids found out that it wasn't good for you so she told him you know we, we bring that to me and we'll throw it out so he went and hid it behind the hot water heater and um told her he couldn't find it anyway the hot water heater blew up a few weeks later and his game boy melted to the side of it and the technician showed her and she realized that he'd hit it so she you know she's like wait till your father gets home and he's freaking out he thought my life's over at this point but his dad gets home and instead of sitting Jonathan down, sits Victoria down and says, now, Victoria, Jonathan's a good boy and he put his Game Boy, he hid it next to that hot water heater because he didn't want his friends to get it and get into trouble. So well done, Jonathan. Jonathan knew it wasn't true, but he just said it was one of those moments where his dad gave him away out of his sin like Jesus has given us a way out of our sin. And he said, I've never appreciated my dad so much. Um, like the, so that doesn't mean you always let your kids off the hook, you don't confront. But it was just, it was a moment where he could have been condemned and copped the hammering. But the, the sheer relief, it, it helped him understand that his dad was like God and gave him a way out of his sin. He said it had a huge impact on his life. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, so much, Craig and Mark. I'm going to get Craig to pray. And I, just, I think pray for anyone out there that's really struggling with their own relationship with their dad. And most people yeah, have something to overcome. I don't know, just pray into that. And, and, and anyone out there that hasn't got a dad, their dad is absent. Yeah. Yeah, so can um, you pray into that? If, if you're a single parent watching today, um, I see your invisible capes. And I thank you for what you're doing, investing into the next generation. Um, uh, you don't have to be two people. 
Um, you're not parenting on your own if you have God involved as well. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 68 verse 5, he's a father to the fatherless and a defender of the widows. God is with you. God is with you. Uh, maybe this Father's Day is tricky because your father isn't around for whatever purpose, whatever reason. Maybe he's, he's passed on. Um, we want to pray for you as well. So let's pray. God, we lift up this Father's Day, the families, the children, the wives, the mothers, the dads. I pray, God, that you would be present with each family today in whatever form that family takes. For those of us, God, who have that absence of a father on this day, I pray that you would fill that void. I pray that your grace and your love would minister to us today, that we would sense your closeness. Father, for those that are grieving this Father's Day, I pray your comfort and your peace. I pray that you would minister to those people and that you would presence yourself in a tangible sense as their dad. They would know that you are close. Father, I pray that uh, this lockdown... Father, that we would come out of this healthy and strong in you. I pray for families that are struggling at the moment, that you would be their peace, that you would be present in those families and let them know that they are loved and that we can make this. We can get through this together. We honour you, God, and we say happy Father's Day to you. The, the, the sacrifices you have made, yes, the love that you have shown, Thank it is you. such a model to us Thank you. of what we can do in our fallen state to our own kids. Thank you. And uh, God, we honour you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well Amen. done, Dad. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. And um, if anyone would, isn't a Christian or would like to invite Christ into their life, uh, yeah, we invite you and encourage you to contact us. Inviting Christ into your life is one of the best things you'll ever do, especially on Father's Day. So, uh, yeah, have a great Father's Day. And we love you, dads. And have a great week, church. Thanks, Craig and Mark. God bless. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.